This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, the busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom podcaster in this podcasting game. Uh, this is episode 96 and I'm going to continue on with what I did last week which is focus the episode on what's going on currently in the world uh, related to the uprisings. I personally, Charmaine, Mixed Girl Maine, do not have the capacity right now to focus on many things outside of what's our current state of of life, of existence. It was already pretty taxed in general during COVID, but now with um with these uprisings, there's a lot more to focus on. And in that I am a one-woman team and I don't have other people that I can pass off my episodes to to edit and produce. I I have to step away from that and use this platform to elevate voices related to the current Black Lives Matter movement and the defense and protection of my people. That that's that's just the honest truth of what's going on for me right now. I do have several episodes banked or not episodes, I'm sorry. I have uh, several interviews banked ones that took place recording in April, May, and June, and they all were scheduled. I'm even staring at the schedule right now as I as I talk to you on what dates certain people's interviews were going to go up. And I, you know, I I, it's, I can't focus my brain in that in that way right now. Even to just sit there and edit through this is going to be challenging after I'm done recording it, uh, let alone trying to focus and pay full respect and honor to the people who have chosen to share their stories with us uh, for militantly mixed. If I'm not in a good headspace, I'm not going to pay the right attention and honor to their stories. And I don't want to slight them that way in any way, shape or form. I want them to know that I'm grateful for them sharing their stories and that their stories deserve the major spotlight on the day that I release their episode. So I hope that is something that y'all can stay with me on and and appreciate too. If you if you haven't listened to the whole show and you do rely on hearing the mixed race narratives every week as part of your getting your mixed ass life throughout the week, I do encourage you to go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes maybe. Or if you have been with me since the beginning and you do listen every week, you know, maybe there's some special ones from the past that you can re-listen to or use those to share and highlight stories for other folks. Otherwise, I think, you know, I need to use this platform right now to focus on that, to focus on the uprisings. 
Uh, I do want to make note of something from last week. So last week when I recorded, I think I had said that it was in the wee hours of the morning because I was dealing with the the turtle mode that I was in, the PTSD and um, and sort of the panic dreams that I was having. Uh, I I wasn't really of clear mind. I'm barely of clear mind today. I'm better, but I'm barely in clear mind today. And um, I kept using the term rebellion because I knew I didn't want to use the word riots, but the word that I wanted to use was escaping me and I couldn't get there. So I kept using the word rebellion last week, which is, it's fine, but it, it doesn't encompass everything that I feel like I want to say when I was talking about it. And and then in last week's social distancing virtual hangout, one of our regulars, Celise, had said uprisings. And as soon as she said it, it clicked into place. And it was like, that was the word I was trying to find that I couldn't find. So in going back to last week's episodes, I, I do kind of want to use the word uprising more than using the word rebellion. Although they are linked, um, I feel like uprising is more of an inclusive term because this is a this is a intersectional event. Uh, not even, even saying event is, is a poor choice of words. Um, a lot of things are happening at the same time. We're not just dealing with a single solitary protest. We're dealing with a very, very layered situation. You have your peaceful protesters alongside your violent protesters because there is violence in some forms of protest. You have your unrelated looters and and I guess you can kind of tack rioters on there who are just doing stuff because the opportunity is present and they're not linking it to the actual protest or the meanings behind the movement. And then you actually have your, your active police brutality that is happening in the face of people protesting police brutality. Uh, so there's a lot of layers to the events that are going on right now. And um, thoughtful usage of words and terms is important. And I wasn't in a state last week where I could, um, I just didn't, I just didn't have a clear enough mind to get to the word that I was trying to use. So going forward, and and you've probably seen it in my post this week too, that I do am using, I am using the term uprisings more because I do think that is more accurate of what is going on. So a couple things that I do want to cover will be related to what Militantly Mixed is doing and how, if you want to participate through Militantly Mixed, you can. And then other parts of it are resources outside of Militantly Mixed that should get some light and, and is getting light out in the world, but, um, but I don't want to ignore it here. So this is going to be a pretty beefy show notes week. You can go to the show notes and find several links because I'm going to put a bunch of things in the show notes this week. Um, for you that needs resources. Mind you, I will always say that, you know, the the stuff is out there. Like right now, you don't even need Google. <laughs> you just need your regular social media channels because people are tweeting and, and Instagramming and Facebooking and, they're pu- and TikToking, all the different things that are available to you. So it should be fairly easy right now f- to find places to participate. What might be a little bit difficult is vetted places so that you know that the you know vast majority of the money is going to go to the right to the right people um, versus going into the uh, operation costs of of the charities. Um, so let's start to, with there, and then we'll kind of get into the topic that I wanted to talk about today um, in terms of what Militantly Mixed is doing right now. Um, Besides using the show as an opportunity to talk about these things, we have partnered with The Bail Project, 
which is an organization that I've followed for for many years. I I have a personal passion about uh, wrongful convictions and issues related to bail. There's a lot of people, in particular, black and brown people, that are disproportionately affected by bail being the reason they are still locked up, even if they haven't been charged. I would assume by now that you would have access to this information, but it is still possible that you may not have heard of this story. A few years ago, there was a man named Khalif Browder, who a young adult was arrested for fitting a description. He was a victim of stop and frisk in New York. He had a backpack, and that was pretty much the the description, black man with a backpack. And he was arrested for um, an alleged burglary that had happened. He was not guilty of this crime in any way, shape, or form. He was coming home from a party when he was arrested. His bail was put up at $10,000, which his family could not afford. And he was detained in Rikers, which Rikers is one of the most notoriously violent places for people to go. And he was uh, incarcerated there for three years without being charged. Uh, He was brutalized by other inmates and correctional officers, and he spent about two years in solitary confinement or in some form of solitary. And when he was finally released, um, he he did some activism work about bail reform and the treatment of um, inmates. But the time that he suffered in prison destroyed his mental health. Like there's no, there's no nice way to say it. His, his mental health was greatly affected by the abuse that he received in Rikers and he eventually hung himself at home. And he is not an uncommon story. He's probably the most known story right now in terms of recent years, but um, this is not an isolated event. This is not a, 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 an exception to the rule. And it's because of stories like Khalif's that I started paying attention to the Bell Project. So the Bell Project doesn't just do, well, they, they, they have multiple sides of, of their action. One side is to uh, push for bail reform and actually bail release, uh, getting rid of the bail system as it currently exists um, throughout the country. And then the other part is to assist people who are in need to, to get their bail paid especially for people like sometimes it's the case of a person who can't afford a $300 bail and they're stuck in in jail um, for a very minor infraction. And sometimes it's a desperate situation like Khalif being an innocent man who who was a victim of stop and frisk and left in incarceration for three years without being charged. So it is a an organization that I, I follow, I believe in, and that is why I chose to partner Militantly Mixed with them. Uh, the initial goal was for a thousand dollars. We blew past that. I think at the time of recording, we're at about thirteen hundred and change, thirteen hundred and twenty something um, dollars. So I've upped the goal to two thousand. What I hope happens is that I continue to up the goal by a thousand dollars every time we blow past it. So if you would like to contribute to the Militantly Mixed Bail Fund Project Legal Defense Fund, then you can go to the show notes. The link is in there. It has also been posted on the Twitter, the Instagram, and the Facebook pages and Facebook group for Militantly Mixed. And please, I encourage you to share it in your social circles as well, uh, because the money goes directly to the Bell Project. It's not filtered through me in any way, shape, or form. It goes directly there, and they can get the help that they need, especially 
with our brothers and sisters that are out there on the front lines right now. We don't want them to spend a second longer in lockup than they have to just because they can't afford bail. And they shouldn't be being arrested for protesting in the first place. It's a right granted to us by the Constitution, and it's some bullshit that it's happening at all. I don't have a personalized story for that. It's just something that I'm very passionate about, and it, mostly because of the neighborhood I grew up in and the way that I grew up, um, seeing how many people are lost to the system. The system is fucked up. I'm not a supporter of it, and I do want to do whatever work I can with my limited skill set to contribute to abolishing the system as it currently exists with respect to bail, mandatory minimums in sentencing, police force, etc. Um, so if you want to participate, that is one way you can participate through Militantly Mixed. Another way is, uh, I guess I got to tell a story to tell how this happened. <laughs> that, that's what this is all about. Last week, I saw a few videos of uh, biracial black and white people that were coming out to distance themselves from blackness. And it was very triggering for me. And I will tell you that my read of those types of situations, the reason why I'm triggered for it is because, I guess in general, because I'm a person who is proud of being mixed and proud of being black. And despite the fact that I present ambiguous, I still feel black as hell all the time. I grew up black as hell. I'm gonna be black as hell my whole life. And when I see mixed folks that are mixed with black that um, either express anti-blackness or they have a lack of access. They grew up maybe with a lack of access to blackness and they're just trying to find their place as a, as a mixed black person in a world where they w didn't have access. Um, which I think is a lot of the cases of people who have been on the show. It's, it's, a, it's a common story that we've heard. In their cases, I feel like what they're trying to do is find their place in blackness and in the Black Lives Matter movement. And they may be dealing with shame or discomfort or um, lack of knowledge about where they can fit, where can, they can comfortably fit in this movement. And rather than investigate that or, or actually express that, what they actually have been expressing in these videos, though at least the ones that I saw, we're basically to say, I'm mixed, I'm not black, so I don't know what you're going through. But like, I support you from the sidelines. And messages like that are very triggering for me. And I was real angry about it all week. And depending on my range of contacts, I either have people that are just as militant as I am and just as triggered by something like that as I am. And were telling me, advising me to not watch them anymore and to, you know, find my own peace and stuff like that, which is good advice that I should have listened to. And I did kind of, but I, I, I watched a few more that mostly because people were sharing them with me. Being the unofficial expert of mixedness to the people who know me, my, my personal friends, I was, they were getting shared with me and they didn't realize that they were triggering me by doing that. And so I was really angry about them because their experience is not my experience. So that's the other part in terms of fairness. Their experience and my experiences were different, so seeing them talk about being mixed black and separating themselves from blackness made me upset, especially in particular because of right now of all times. Why are you choosing to distance yourself from blackness right now of all times? Because right now, it's all hands on deck. Because right now, it is uprising against a system of racism that is so fucking old and so fucking embedded that even our own people do it to ourselves. 
it's it just doesn't feel like the right time to be like i'm not black enough because we don't need to not black enough ourselves we don't need to not enough ourselves the world is going to do it to us and that is why i was triggered by it it also when i see things like that it also shows me how much more work i feel like i need to do as if it is somehow my responsibility to save all mixed people i know that that's not the case and yet i I move forward with that as part of my intention. I wanted to create this space for us to feel safe in. And when I see that there are mixed folks out there that don't feel safe, and worse, that they're actually pushing out a message that seems very negative towards their experience. I want to help the baby, and I'm also mad at the baby. And I don't know why I was mad at the baby. <laughs> um so yeah, I've I've been going off about it on social media and uh, and listening to other people talking about their access points to blackness and, and also struggling to figure out how loud their voice is allowed to be right now. It started to make sense that I wasn't, I was only saying it from one perspective and as open as I can be in general, in particular, in this particular case, I was not being open. I was, um, being just very reactionary to it. So, um, where I'm sitting right now at the time that I'm recording, I am both trying to figure out how to understand that perspective and also still angry about that perspective. So, I mean, I'm not perfect. I got work to do too, people. And so that's, that's, that's what was happening last week that, that was triggering my anger. And then I wanted to, I wanted to fight my anger. I wanted to counter my anger and like turn it into empowerment, turn it into a positive. And I kept finding myself say, yeah, I'm mixed, but I'm hella black, you know, Uh, which is something I say all the time. Me and my co-hosts on Blurred Comics say it all the time, too. We're mixed, but we're black because we want it to be clear, like, make no mistake. It doesn't matter how light skinned we turn out or how dark skinned we turn out or how ambiguous our features. We're black. We're part of it. We're mixed and we're black. Um, I even addressed with the social distancing group this week that the episode, the season finale of, of Mixed Ish this year dealt with the concept of being mixed and black at the same time. Um, so if you haven't seen that yet, it's a, it's a, a good thing to, to reference. So in response to my anger about those videos and um, me trying to find a positive outlet to exercise that anger, I created a t-shirt on, t- on the Teespring store that says mixed and hella black and not but. Um, because I want y'all, especially those of us mixed black, um, I want y'all to feel empowered by your mix. I want you to feel empowered by everything that you are mixed with, or I want you to feel empowered by what you identify with the most. We're complicated people as mixed folks. We have complicated relationships with our various ethnic groups. I've talked about it before. Even though I'm technically half white because both of my parents were half white, I didn't grow up around white people and I didn't grow up around my white family. So I don't have a white culture access point. I have one relative that I grew up around and I have access to certain aspects of her culture that she shared with me, but it wasn't all encompassing. It wasn't the majority of what I had access to. So it's hard for me to claim whiteness. It's easier for me to claim Britishness because of the kind of white relative I had, but I was raised as a black girl. 
I was raised as a weekend Japanese <laughs> whenever I was with my family, my Japanese family, but I was predominantly raised a black girl. So I identify very heavily with my black side and that's why I call myself hierarchically mixed, meaning that I first identify as black first and then Japanese and then British. And um, till the day I die, I'm going to be black as hell. And I am empowered by that. I know that's not everybody's story, but I am empowered by that. And so I wanted to find a way to channel my anger into something positive. And then I designed this shirt that says mixed and hella black. And I was hyped just in the designing of it. I was hyped and I was excited and I can't wait until it gets here. And I'm mad that it wasn't a 24 hour turnaround. I was so excited. So I put the shirt up with the intent that 100% of the net profits of the shirt of any purchase will go to Black Lives Matter. What that means is, what I mean by 100% of the net proceeds is Teespring as the printer of the shirt and the processor takes a big chunk of it. I don't, I don't know the exact percentage. They take a chunk of it though. And... That's their processing fees. That's their thing. I have no say. It just, that's what's the agreed upon thing while doing something on their site. They're going to get all that money. The remainder of the money. So it's about $12 to $13 per shirt and hoodie. And I think it's about 5 to $7 per tank. All that money is net profit. And all of that is going to Black Lives Matter. I am not taking any cut of this shirt because that's not what it's for. It's for you to feel empowered in your mixed blackness, if you are mixed black, and it's the proceeds are going to go to Black Lives Matter. So now Militantly Mixed has two portals into uh, sponsorship or donations, uh, if that's how you want to do your activism. Um, if you want to do it through Militantly Mixed, you can contribute to the Bell, uh, Bell Project Legal Defense Fund or the Mixed and Hella Black Black Lives Matter proceeds. Uh, Teespring takes about seven to 10 days to get the money out. So the first purchases of shirts started on Friday of last week. So probably by Friday of this week to Monday, will the first bits of money start rolling in? I will donate in chunks of $100 so that I'm not just sitting on that money for a long time. I'd rather it get out there faster. But, um, you know, orders come in and some of them are for $9 profit. Some of them are $12 profit. I don't want to be nickel and diming it. I'd rather just send it out in a, a nice little chunk, but I don't want to wait too long. And I will continue to post those receipts for y'all so that you know where your contributions are going. So that's how Militantly Mix is doing things on the financial support side. I'm also going to list in the show notes the various victim funds that you can donate to for, for George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Sean Reed and Tony McDade. Whichever ones that I can see actively going on right now, I will, I will post a link to at the time that I produce, finish producing this episode. So that's how we can contribute. Like some of the, if you want to give directly to them, please give directly to them. Absolutely. But if you want to go through Militantly Mix, those are the two ways. The Bell Project link or purchasing the mixed and hella black shirt. Honestly, if any purchases happen in the militantly mixed store right for right now, if you get a militantly mixed t-shirt or mug or something like that, even that I will I will give to Black Lives Matter. Um I it's I think that's the best usage of our funds right now. And I'm sorry my my throat is really scratchy because I've been talking a lot over the last couple 
days and I keep having to take breaks to cough. So when I come back and my voice sounds different, that's what's happening. Um, okay, so those are the ways we could do it through Militantly Mixed. I'm going to list the Google Doc forms that are circulating out about how you can support various um, institutions, organizations, etc. Another thing I want to do is highlight Black business right now, because that's what Blackout Tuesday was all about last week, which was sort of a an accidentally, I think it was an accidentally hijacked effort. Blackout Tuesday last week was supposed to be where you put a hashtag Blackout Tuesday, um, you put a black square in your social media, and you spent the whole day, 24 hours, you weren't going to post any of your own personal stuff. You were only going to highlight black businesses, um, black content creators, black music, black artists, etc. As a way to sort of flood the internet with images of, of black people doing stuff out there that you're not aware of, that you may not be aware of help promoting businesses that, you know, don't have as much access as, you know, big box stores or, or uh, things like that. That's what it was supposed to be. What ended up happening is that people kept hashtagging those black squares as Black Lives Matter, which was silencing. It was muting the information that was being communicated through the Black Lives Matter hashtag. So people didn't necessarily know where to go for, for protests or Let's say something was going down, like cops were blocking off this area and people needed to know about it. You weren't seeing that because if you hit the hashtag, all you could see was black squares. So then we started flooding the internet with please take off your Black Lives Matter thing and just put the Blackout Tuesday thing so that we can get that information out. And it still took a couple days um, for that to kind of start to clear up, which is just an unfortunate side effect of something that was trying to have the best intentions. It just, it wasn't clear enough, I guess, for people to know what to do. But this has happened before, actually. Another blackout situation has done this before. So we were trying to put it out there, but, you know, you have to be able to see someone talk about it before you do it. So I did not participate in in the sense of having a black square or anything like that. Um, All I did was highlight uh, black podcasters and, and black comic book creators and black businesses that I had access to. I can I do that on a regular basis anyway, though. Um, but I did it in a heavier basis on Blackout Tuesday in particular, and I'm continuing to do that. So if you do follow me on social media, Mixed Girl Maine, you will see links and tweets like that often. If you follow the Militantly Mixed page, you're mostly going to get stuff related to the show. And, and if I'm doing something related to activism, I will make sure that I retweet it off of and regram it off of the Militantly Mixed platforms as well. I did not do that that much this week, but I'll try to remember to keep up on that because I know some of y'all do follow me directly and I get messages from me that way. Um, but I think most of y'all follow Militantly Mix, which makes sense. So you're going to see also in the show notes, a few links to a few businesses. It's going to be kind of, it might be nonsensical in, in terms of the kinds of business that are out there, but they're the kinds of businesses that I have access to or am supporting, in, including black yarn dyers like Adela from the Lola Bean Yarn Co. who did an episode of Militantly Mix, or Lady Dye Yarns, uh, another black woman yarn dyer based out of Massachusetts. There's a honey company based out of Tennessee, the T-Bar 901. She was tweeting out, like, if you want raw honey or infused honey, text me. And then the world blew up and she had to create a website last night. So if you want honey sent to you (laughs) from Tennessee, I'm going to post her link as well. 
there's maybe it might gum up the um the show notes a lot but i i actually tweet a lot about black content creators um lgbtq plus content creators as well um through blurred comics and my own personal pages so if you're into comics and you want to see yourself represented in comics follow blurred comics or my own personal um social medias because you're going to see their works shared quite often too. So I wanted, I'd want to do my best to highlight these businesses and highlight these content creators that are out there. Even within our own community, we have plenty of people that are out there doing stuff. The first episode, John Corbin, he's a hip hop artist and a teacher. He's um, doing the last few weeks, he's done a few uh, Zoom sessions, music sessions and things like that. He's released um, songs recently related to, you know, kind of processing his feelings about everything that's going on. So you can go to John Corbin Music um, and uh, and check him out so that you can get your life that way. Uh, Mona Lisa, who did an episode at the beginning of 2020, she has a YouTube channel where she talks about, um, you know, hair care for, for curly mixed hair. Uh, she also talks about uh, skin treatment for like eczema and things like that. Uh, she's also learn- showing you how she learns multiple languages uh, on her channel. That's another person within the community that you, that you can support. Uh, Sarah Lotus, who was on an episode, I want to say around October, November of 2019. I've been through her mixed race confidence program. She is a a mixed race life coach who focuses her work on assisting mixed folks with mixed race confidence. Or she also has another program for uh, interracial families raising mixed race kids. Um, It's empowering. It is both a solo exercise and a group exercise if you participate in in one of the programs um she has another one that's actually launching at the time i'm recording today january uh january what month is it uh june 8th but um follow her it's called the mixed bloom room you can go on instagram and follow her there she posts a lot about she posts a lot of mixed race um resources uh podcasts and and hair care products and uh, blogs and things like she posts this stuff all the time but if you participate in her program I'll just give you my my testimonial here. I, I think I have talked about it on the show a little bit before, but I went through this program. I went through her pilot program. Uh, me and another participant uh, went through the program together, and we had our individual sessions, which we did on um, Sundays, and our group sessions, which we did on Saturdays, or vice versa. And we basically went through the program to challenge our feelings about certain aspects of our mixedness to figure out why we were struggling in areas that we were struggling in. The question why was asked a lot throughout it. Every time we expressed a feeling, uh, we got an opportunity to see someone else's mixed race issues and how they relate to our feelings about our issues, or we could help each other if one of us was down on something, but the other one had some insight on it. So in, in the group respect, if we had any crossover, it could be really helpful. And if we had things that were unrelated to each other, but we could kind of see and understand, you know, we could help and be encouraging in those areas. And let me tell you, I went in there thinking, you know, like I'm mixed girl Maine. I got this shit. Like, I'm fine. Let me tell you. It's not therapy, but it was therapy. I found myself emotional every week. <laughs> I found myself digging into things that I did not realize or I was not allowing myself to face before. Um, I found myself really uh, learning to be gentle 
with my own self about my own mixedness in areas that I struggled with. And I, like I said, I didn't think I struggled. I'm mixed girl Maine. I knew that I didn't have everything, that it's not always 100%, you know, the happiest situation, but I didn't realize that I was bottling up as much as I was bottling up. And that program really, really helped me release some of the things that I was unforgiving of myself over and some of the things that I had no control over. Why are you upset at yourself about this? You didn't do this. You, you inherited this. And it was a really, really helpful program. I really love the fact that there was a group element and a solo element because it's one thing to work on your own self, your own issues, your own things. But when you see someone else going through it alongside you, it wakes you up to the fact that you need to open your eyes to pay attention to everything that's happening. You know, I went in thinking I was tackling one issue, but what actually happened is like 10 issues came to the forefront that I needed to investigate. Um, it, it, it was an amazing program. And I was so grateful to be able to have a moment like that because I would have continued on thinking I had no problems, <laughs> no internal problems, external, sure, but no internal problems. Um, and that showed me how to work on things. That's really what it was. It showed me how to work on things. So um, that's it. That's someplace that's supporting another mixed race uh, company. That's the it's the Bloom Room, and you can also go back and listen to Sarah Lotus's episode, which, I, like I said, October or November of 2019. I used to remember the dates that they uh, launched and and their numbers and everything like that, but it, it gets a little bit harder now that we're we're closing in on a hundred episodes. I'll put links to all that kind of stuff, or. If I miss putting links to it and you, you heard me mention it and you're curious about it, just send me an email and I'll send you the information related to it. But that's the thing. Like, I guess besides providing the resources, really what I want to say to you is to actively be seeking this stuff out. We've gotten into the habit of just going to Amazon for every single thing. And we've made Jeff Bezos a billionaire and he is not even trying to take care of his own people that work in his factories without major, major um, pressure. But the kind of money he has, no amount of pressure will really do that much damage. And so I'm trying to remind myself that whenever there is something I want to purchase and I find it on Amazon, to first look at that exact same item and Google it and see if there is actual mom and pop shop that are selling those items or if it's maybe from a mom and pop shop and pay them directly if I can versus paying them on Amazon um, so that they get the bulk of the money. It, the idea behind saying this is to be an activist in your purchasing. Companies like Teespring even take a huge chunk of the purchase price of an item. Um, so, you know, if I had the ability to make these shirts myself, we could have more profit to send to Black Lives Matter. But I don't. I have this resource, so I'm using this resource. But if I find that I can, if there is actually, yeah, actually now I'm saying that, if you have a t-shirt company and you want to partner up or something, you look, get at me, Charmaine at militantlymix.com, S is in Sam, H-A-R, M is in Mary, A, N is in Nancy, E, at militantlymix.com, uh, so that we can do something more that way. Support black businesses, support local businesses, support grassroots organizations over big conglomerate style organizations, like be an activist in your choices, where you spend your money. It's not going to be perfect. You're not going to do it 100%. I definitely don't do it 100%. 
I still order from Amazon and, and stuff like that. But if, if we start to kind of train ourselves to purchase with intention towards supporting our black and brown businesses, I think we'll start to, to see some improvements in um, quality of life for a lot of us. And in supporting black businesses or mixed race businesses or any other businesses of color, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that the items are cheaper. And that's okay. Because we should have, we should know our worth and, and receive our worth. I, I mean, honestly, I would honestly rather pay an extra 10 bucks to a black owned business than cheaper to a business that's just going to line the pockets of a white guy who does not see the humanity in people outside of himself, a rich, you know, that level, that one percenter level. Um, so I guess maybe that's more the the message that I'm trying to convey today is I will put some resources in the, in the show notes. I may not even list everything that I've talked about here on the show, but planting the seed for the idea of try to be an activist when you spend your dollars. And I want to echo what I said last week because it is truly, truly what I what I feel. Not all of us can be on the front lines, whether it's for health reasons or or physical reasons or you got a job, whatever the whatever the reason is. It is fair. Some people can't be on the front lines, but those who can do and they're out there and we need to support them and how we can support them. If we can't be on the front lines, fundraising, supporting the organization, care packages. If you're a care package type crafts in some way, if you can make masks for people or, or blankets or, or hats or something, something that'll be useful out there for them, masks, um, you know, balaclavas, having a place nearby that someone can seek refuge if they need something, something that actively helps improve somebody else. I I say it all the time because I absolutely mean it. The village is more important than the individual and we benefit as as a whole population if we focus on the village. Every little thing that we can do if our efforts are towards the, the greater good or the, the, the village, it is for the greater good. I feel like I rambled all kind of crazy today. My brain, I, I know we all, like we, a couple months ago, we all suffered from the Rona brain. Now it's a combination of Rona slash uprising brain. Um, still try to prioritize self-care as much as you can. I know there are people that are putting themselves out in harm's way right now. I'm hoping that those people also find a way to protect themselves and to protect their mind and their emotions, uh, their mental health right now because the it's... It's in, it's an insane level of stress that um, we are in right now, and the fact that any of us are standing is um, a pretty big deal. And just a reminder to seek out black businesses and brown businesses and local businesses as much as possible. Put your dollars back into your own community. Can box stores and Amazon are really convenient? I know. And they're usually pretty cost effective, I know. But if we can put money into our own communities, it is um, helping to fight against gentrification. It's helping to um, keep small businesses and that entrepreneurial spirit active and alive. And you might be doing real good that you can see in that individual business or in those individual business owners versus the blind invisible dollars that you send to Amazon or the box stores that you'll never really know where the benefit is going to. So it is okay if you cannot be on the front lines. If you can, 
do something in support of those on the front lines, please do. If there's things that you can just do in your everyday life, there's so many different ways and it all boils down to improving the village. That is where I think the major focus of our activism should lie is improving the village. We got people that fight, we got people that support, we got people that handle healthcare and medical and mental health after. We've got organizers, we've got strategizers, we've got money, we've got event planners. There's way, there's so many ways to be an activist. Be mindful of your own, be mindful of how you punish yourself for not doing what you're seeing other people do. Find your own strength, use your own skill set for the cause. That is the best thing that we can do right now. And actually it's better for you to use your own skill set than to do something outside of your skill set right now. Um, it takes all hands, all hands on deck. Okay, so I do think I rambled a bunch. I hope it, it's coherent and makes sense. I guess I'll find out after I start editing. Um, again, if you want to email me directly, you can go to Charmaine at militantlymix.com. That's S as in Sam, H-A-R, M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, E, at militantlymix.com. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at militantlymixed. And don't forget to be your mixed ass selves. Peace, y'all. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.